I want to invite your attention again to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, still, still talking about this idea of the beauty of holiness. And um, John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And we get a glimpse there into the heart of the Lord Jesus and his relationship with the Father. And one of the words that is mentioned there is the word glory, or the word glorified, be glorified. And, uh, you know, we talked about this a number of weeks ago, um, this question of who, who decides what looks good, what is really something that constitutes beauty. And uh, they say that beauty is is in the eye of the beholder, but surely there is some kind of an objective standard that we would say constitutes beauty. And I think that we would have to say probably what would give us that objective standard that constitutes that which is truly beautiful would be not the beauty of the outward appearance or form or, or, or color or shape, all of those things, though, uh, though there are some of those things that we recognize as beautiful. But those opinions, and that's what they are, they vary from, from person to person. I'm glad that every man does not think my wife is as pretty as I do. Um, I'm just thankful for that. But I, I think she's rather beautiful, and she is what constitutes beauty in, in my view, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> But what we think of as true objective beauty would have to do with something that flows from within. Not just a, an outward, an external beauty, but the, the beauty of the spirit, the beauty of the heart. And it would have to do with character qualities and character traits. Um, We've been looking for a few weeks on Sunday evening at this idea of the beauty of holiness. I want to talk to you about the revealing of the beauty of holiness and uh, looking at John chapter 17. And uh, we'll read, uh, let's see, let's read, let's start with verse 3. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now jump down to verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures. It's hard to appreciate what you cannot see. Some of you, this is becoming more and more of a of a reality as I uh, observe you struggling with failing eyesight. It's hard to appreciate what you cannot see. But failing eyesight is not the only reason we cannot see some things. I can remember, uh, I have about always grown up uh, uh, traveling. I grew up traveling. We were about always taking trips and just, just going. My dad uh, seems to have perpetually itchy feet, and so um, I suppose the house, the, uh, the, the property where they're at right now, uh, living there in Tennessee, that's the longest that uh, I can remember them ever being anywhere. I remember at one point when I was a, uh, oh, I don't know, I was still at home, I guess, but I remember uh, hearing my mom and dad talk about all the places they had been and all the places they had lived, and it's just from one place to another. But one of the things that I remember growing up and sometimes maybe on vacation taking road trips or, or maybe it was traveling in revival meetings and, and going to different parts of the country, uh, how my dad would comment on the scenery as we drove by. And at the time when I was a young boy, even into my teenage years, I uh, just to be honest, had very little appreciation for the beauty of the country, the, the creation, God's creation. Uh, it, it, was, it was boring to me. It was very uninteresting. I just did not have eyes to see it. Oh, yes, I could see it physically, and occasionally uh, driving along, riding through the countryside, and and would maybe see my dad point something out or mention, oh, hey, look over there. And I would look, oh, yeah, I see. And uh, then often right back down to the book I was reading or whatever I happened to be doing. I read a lot when I was uh, growing up, traveling, things of that nature. It is hard to appreciate what we cannot see. And the Bible tells us that no man has seen God at any time. In fact, the Bible tells us this frequently. No man has seen God at any time. But what is wonderful truth that we now know because of Jesus Christ is that God has been revealed to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And we see several aspects of this idea in John chapter 17, the revelation of the beauty of God, the beauty of holiness in Christ. First of all, we see it revealed in reflection. Revealed in reflection. Now, this is not self-reflection like Narcissus. How many of you remember the story of Narcissus from, from Greek mythology? You, you know what a narcissist is. A narcissist is someone who is so consumed with themselves they don't care about anybody else. And that term, narcissist, com comes from Greek mythology, uh, the story of Narcissus, who was so taken with his own beauty. 
his own attractiveness. He fell in love with his reflection that he saw. In, and I, could, I, I looked up and studied a little bit the background of the story of Narcissus. And I won't take the time to tell you that whole story other than just to say the, the essence of it was he saw his reflection in a pool of water and fell in love with his own reflection and stayed there until he just, I believe one of the gods cursed him and he, he faded away into nothing. That's not the kind of reflection we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about a different kind of reflection. This is the kind of, of reflection that we see when we look at a full moon on a clear night. And I'm sure you've had the experience that I have, especially if you get away from the lights of the city and, and maybe get out in the, into the country where there is not that much ambient light and you can see the stars so much more clearly and the night sky. And there are times when you get in that situation and you see a beautiful full moon and it, it can be so bright it'll almost cast shadows as you walk along. And you think, my, how beautiful. And isn't the moon bright tonight? Well, I've got to tell you something. The moon is not bright at all. The moon does not have its own light. It is simply reflecting the light. It is, it is aligned in a certain way so that it is able to reflect the light from the sun. And that's where that light comes from. Look at verse 4 of John chapter 17. Jesus said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. You see, friends, Jesus did not come for the sake of his own glory. He did not come to do his own, uh, his own purpose or fulfill his own will. But he tells us he came to fulfill the will of the Father. The Apostle Paul used this idea when he spoke to the Philippian Christians in, uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, where he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was equal with God, he did not consider that equality something to be grasped onto or held onto, but he willingly laid it aside. He emptied himself and made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant. He came for the Father's glory and to do His Father's will, revealed in reflection. And you know, one of the things about looking and seeing a reflection in a mirror, if you want to see what's behind you in a mirror, it's interesting how, a, how your car's rear-view mirror works. And you know, too many times I've seen um, driving down the road, the ladies uh, trying to correct nature's flaws um, with that mirror rather than using it for its intended purpose. If, you're, if they're using that mirror, if you're using that mirror, whatever, however you want to say it, if you're using that to look at yourself, then you are not seeing what you're intended to see in that mirror. It's intended to reflect what's behind you. And you can't see what you're supposed to see if self is in the way. The beauty of holiness is revealed in 
reflection, and this is not a self-focused or self-oriented reflection. Also notice the beauty of holiness is revealed in disclosure. It is revealed in disclosure. Disclosure is the action of making new or secret information known. And uh, we mentioned this a few moments ago. We don't appreciate beauty without seeing, uh, without eyes to see it. And it reminded me of the story of Jesus healing the blind man. And he touched the man and, and said, how do you, do you see? Can you see? And the man said, well, I see men like trees walking. And then Jesus gave him the second touch and he was able to see clearly. Well, Jesus, uh, in this passage, uh, verses 6 through 8 of John chapter 17, he says, I have manifested your name to the people you gave me. I have manifested. In other words, I have disclosed, I have revealed to the people your name. And uh, yours they were, you gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they know. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you, for I've given them the words that you gave me. So disclosure or manifestation, it is that which brings knowledge, that which brings an awareness, uh, an understanding of truth, an understanding of reality. And uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, God's word tells us that no man has seen God at any time. But God and his nature has been revealed to us in the person of Christ. And so that has brought us the understanding, the knowledge. Jesus brought a disclosure or a manifestation that gave knowledge of the sacred name. This is interesting to me in studying this passage. You can go back to the Old Testament and uh, the book of Exodus, and there uh, we read about Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush, and God speaks to Moses there through the burning bush and says to him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. And Moses, he has, of course, many objections, all kinds of objections to to what God is telling him to do, but Moses says, well, who who am I going to tell them has sent me? And God said, you tell them, I am has sent you, which gives us not only an understanding of God's identity, his, uh, this, the sacred name, uh, Yahweh, we say Jehovah, um, but also an insight into the nature of his, of his existence. He is self-existent. He exists because of himself. But just knowing that much, knowing God as a self-existent being, I mean, that gives us an idea of the greatness of God. I mean, that really, if you think about it, that's a concept I can't, none of us, I suppose, can wrap our heads around. We can say the words, I can say the words. God is self-existent. You know, every once in a while, you'll run into somebody that asks, that will ask the question, who made God? Well, nobody made God. God is self-existent. You and I and everything in this world, we exist because of something outside of ourselves. We came into being because of something outside of ourselves. But God exists only because of himself. He is self-existent. And... 
while that, as I said, gives us a, an insight into the greatness of God, it doesn't do much to give us an appreciation for him. But Jesus came giving a greater understanding, a greater revelation. He said, I have manifested your name to the people, and I believe that the name that he gave uh, to the people to give us a greater understanding of the identity of God in heaven is that of Father. We read through this passage of Scripture how he talks to God as his Father, and when he taught his disciples to pray, the model prayer, the disciples' uh, prayer, he taught them to say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Disclosure brings knowledge, it brings us an understanding, a, a deeper understanding of the sacred name, the identity of God, God as our heavenly Father, uh, one who is long-suffering, one who is plenteous in mercy, and one who demonstrates that covenant loyalty to his people. You know, we know about contractual loyalty, contractual loyalty, that is something completely different than covenant loyalty. You know, loyalty to a contract, you, you set the terms of the agreement, and, and as long as both sides are keeping their, side, uh, their t- uh, side of the terms of the agreement, then the contract remains in place. But all it takes is for one side or the other to break their terms of that contract, and it, it breaks the agreement. It severs the contractual relationship. That's one of the sad reasons why marriage and family is is in such a a tragic condition in the world that we live in because people have gotten to the point of treating marriage like a contract rather than a covenant. What covenant loyalty means is that it is It is each individual taking their own responsibility, and God demonstrates this to us, his covenant loyalty, covenant love to his people, which is a loyalty and a love that will never cease no matter what. Now, that's not to say that we cannot separate ourselves from God or his love for us, but God's love will continue. He will continue loving us. Disclosure brings knowledge also of the Savior's source, the sacred name also the Savior's source. Verse 7, again, they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and I have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. In other words, the disciples are believing that Jesus is one who came from God the Father in heaven. So the beauty of holiness is, is revealed in reflection. It is revealed in disclosure. Also, the beauty of holiness is revealed reciprocally. Say that ten times real fast. It is revealed reciprocally. Uh, you know what the word reciprocal means? A, a, a very homely or a crude way of saying it is you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. That's kind of the idea, kind of the idea. Look at verses 20 through 23 again. I do not ask for these only, also for those who will believe in me 
through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now listen, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. You see, the beauty and the glory that we are talking about has a nature that always points away from itself. It is a nature that always points away from itself. It is not a nature that draws attention to itself. So we have Jesus who laid aside his glory in order to glorify the Father and reveal to us the Father. We have the Father who glorified Jesus on earth then we have Jesus who shared his glory with his disciples, that they may all be one. It is a glory, a beauty that does not draw attention to itself, but points away from itself to reflect the beauty of the other. Jesus revealing to us the Father. We have uh, Jesus giving glory to the disciples then so that the disciples, and that includes you and that includes me, so that we can point others to the beauty of holiness in God. That should be displayed in us. You see, the beauty of holiness that ought to be in you and I as believers is not so people can look at us as we uh, tuck our, our robes of piety around ourselves and we think, my, how good and righteous we are, and people can look at us and compliment us and, and we, you know, we can pat ourselves on the back in and, and our self-righteousness and think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good guy. It's, it's none of that, nothing about that but it is to reflect the beauty of the holiness of God, to point others to Him. The results. Well, friends, what are the results of revelation? What are the results of having eyes open? Simply this, that we can see. And what we can see, we can share, and we can show to the rest of the world. You see, we cannot share and show to the rest of the world until we have seen for ourselves. Until we have seen for ourselves. And I want to close with a passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians, the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes these words, verse 18, We all with unveiled face behold the glory of of the Lord, and as we behold, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, chapter 4 and verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. We are not holding ourselves up as that reflection of, of beauty for the world to see. It's not ourselves, but it is Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. 
For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Friends, we behold the glory of God, and as we behold, we are transformed. We are changed into the image, like the reflection that we see in the mirror uh, of ourselves. But it is not so that we can enjoy our own reflection like Narcissus, but it is so that the rest of the world can see the beauty of God's holiness in you and in me. And the problem is, as we mentioned a little while ago, the beauty of holiness is often in our lives, all actually not often, it is always obscured when self is in the way. Self must get out of the way before the beauty of holiness can be revealed in our lives. And Jesus came to show us the way. His whole life on this earth was an example of reflecting and revealing not himself, but the Father. The beauty of God the Father. And he said, I came not to, not to do my own will or fulfill my own purpose, but to fulfill the purpose of the Father. Then what's interesting is that in John chapter 16, when Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, he said the same thing about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come not teaching or talking about himself, not glorifying himself, but pointing rather to me. Then Jesus took that perfect, selfless, and sinless life and laid it down on a cross where his hands and his feet were nailed and his side was pierced and the blood flowed out. And this happened not only as an atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, but it also happened as an example for you and for I of what must take place if God's beauty, the beauty of holiness, is ever to be revealed or reflected in our own lives. You see, we are all called to follow Jesus to the cross and there lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice that it's not us that lives, it's not myself, it's not me, but it is Christ who lives in me and through me reflecting the glory, the beauty of God the Father, the beauty of holiness. And Jesus invites us, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want to invite you